Good morning. You sound about as awake as I feel. Good morning. I can't believe that for the first time in so many years I've watched an England game in perfectly relaxed mode for the second half and I still feel exhausted in the morning. I'd like to read to you from 1 Corinthians and chapter 1 and uh, I'm going to read the first two verses. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Let's just pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. And we ask you today that you will just enlarge our faith in you, enlarge our understanding of who you have made us, enlarge our understanding of your church. In Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> I'm going to ask a favour. Adrian, can you tell me when it's 25 past? I printed out my notes for my sermon today and I thought, that is far too long. And uh, then during the worship, prophecy and other things, just lots and lots of things stirred up within me, so the danger is that I could just carry on, so once we know it's 25 past, I'll start tidying up. <clears throat> Today we begin a series that will take us through to the beginning of September. It's going to be looking at the first few verses of all the letters that Paul wrote from 1 Corinthians to 2 Thessalonians. So today it was the first three verses, from, from today it will be a little bit longer. And we're going to be looking at two things. Firstly, how Paul describes the church, and then what Paul prays for, for the church. One of the reasons we're doing this is because we want to, want to regather and rekindle that sense of being church, God's people. I don't know about you, but in the last um, 15 months, my world has shrunk quite dramatically. Um, so much so that I was really surprised when the second lockdown ended, that actually just driving further than outside of Kettering was like, should I be doing this? Um, and when we drove down to see my um, dad down in Hastings, I could feel the sort of tension of driving down there thinking, is this too far? Am I allowed to do this? Now I knew I was allowed to do it, but something in my mind had got very, very small. Um, a couple of, um, this week, Leslie spent a week with some, some of our grandchildren in London and I, I drove her down on Monday and I drove back and it was like, gosh, even now I'm thinking, should I be doing this? And the whole world seemed to have shrunk. And we're, you know, we've been waiting so much for the government to tell us, can we do this, can we do this? You know, we're all on tender hooks as to what July the 19th is actually going to bring. Is it going to be, yes, you no, no longer need to wear masks. Yes, you can sing indoors, not just... And I thought, Leah, you were brilliant. 
I thought, we could have all gone out that door, and then we can sing. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, just embarrassed you a little bit. <laughs> In fact, to be fair, Peter Robinson had said, is there any chance, Dave, that we could cut the grass outside and just go out there? But we weren't quite sure, and then they started knocking the building down, and that made it difficult. But anyway, <clears throat> and I think, for many of us, our world has struggled. And for me, as well, I think my vision of God has shrunk a little bit as well. Because it's like, in a way that I've not known before in my life, the government is controlling my life in a very unusual way. Um, you know, we can't, we can't go near each other. And that's the government telling us that. And it's, it's shrunk my vision of God a little bit. And I think it's shrunk our vision of church a little bit. It's a strong picture of who we are. If you, you know, you look at the news and, you know, it's not a great faith-building exercise watching the news. Um, <clears throat> but it's, it's all about the, the things that are wrong. You begin to think, well, what, what, what has the church been able to do? We've had to shut our meetings, We've not been able to fellowship like we were. We haven't been able to visit people like we wanted to. Um, we have a, a sort of wider leaders group in the church um, of all the different departments. And about three months ago we said, come what may, we are having a social on the 3rd of July. Even if we have to have it in a couple of venues. And then yesterday we had, have it, had to have it in the end in seven venues because we couldn't all meet indoors and we've been told very reliably that it was going to bucket down all day. And you know, at the end of the day, you just think, why don't I just trust God and say, yeah, let's, let's pretend it's not going to rain and see what God does. But there you go. And all these things are controlling us. And I believe one of the things we want to see in these next few weeks is as we look at what Paul understands the church has and what he prays for the church, that our, our, our vision of God again will just be expanded again. Our vision of what we are as the people of God will be expanded again. It's interesting that in all the pandemic, the church in Britain has probably played a bigger part in social care than it ever has. In terms of the food banks, in terms of well-being, um, a number of well-being groups of which Adrian has running one on a Wednesday afternoon here, in terms of debt counselling, in terms of social action across up and down our streets. It's been the church working in local places that has covered so much of that, but you don't read about it in the news. So we're looking, as we look at what Paul sees the church as, what he prays for the church, what he glories in the church, that we will be expanding again our vision of who God is, what he is doing in the world, and who we are, and what we can do. So, <clears throat> we're not going to do this every week, but the first word we read was Paul, and because we're going to be looking at his letters, I'm just going to run a little bit through Paul, who he is. He was born in a town called Tarsus, 
but may well have been brought up in Jerusalem. He studied under a renowned scholar called Gamaliel, um, who was very, very famous. You, you had to be bright, clever to get in with his school. He was also a tent maker by trade. That was part of what he learned as a Jew. You had a trade as well as scholarship, um, and he was a tent maker. We know he had a sister and a son who are mentioned in Acts 23, verse 6. He was, growing up as a young man, a zealous Pharisee. Now, they were a certain sect in the Jewish world. They were, <laughs> they were determined to keep the law of God, which made them very harsh, very critical, and very isolated. Um, and they, they basically lived in their own sort of world of Phariseeism. And he was a zealous one. Um, he, he says, exceeding many of his sort of generation. He was also, um, because of that, a severe persecutor of the church. When the first martyr, Stephen, was killed, Paul was there. And Paul was saying, yes, let's kill him. So this is the sort of person we were talking about. On his way to Damascus to arrest Christians, he encountered Jesus. And his whole world was turned around. What he thought he'd been doing in trying to follow God by trying to obey all the laws, um, separate himself from the world in which he lived, um, trying to prove that he was good enough for God. Suddenly Jesus met him and said, you're not. You're just not good enough. The only way that you're good enough is by faith in Jesus Christ. By faith in what he has accomplished on the cross in his death, resurrection and ascension into heaven. And by believing in him, he gives you the righteousness that allows you to know God personally. Through his death, resurrection and ascension, Jesus can give the Holy Spirit to fill you. And so his whole life has changed. For the next 13 years, um, he largely returned to Tarsus and sort of studied, grew, and got to know Jesus. We tend to read in the book of Acts, Paul, he sort of gets converted, and the next day he's there as an apostle. But it's 13 years of understanding who Jesus is, of learning the voice of the Holy Spirit in his life, of, of seeing sort of little miracles here and there. And then a guy called Barnabas, who's heard of Paul, goes to um, Tarsus and says, look, we have a church in Antioch and it needs someone who knows more about Jesus. Can you come and help? And a little bit later, he goes up to Jerusalem and he becomes recognised as an apostle. So his whole life is turned around. He suffered many tri trials. Um, you can read about them in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 onwards. But he's imprisoned for many years. And I think sometimes uh, as Christians, we, we sort of feel we need to be doing something, need to be doing something, need to be doing something. And actually Paul spent many years imprisoned. And he did write letters, but to be honest, 
If I was in prison, as long as Paul, even I could have got random writings and letters. Because <laughs> you, you do get these things, oh, well, Paul was in prison so that he could write the letters. It's like, yeah, even I don't take that long to write a letter. There was a lot of time when he was sat in prison. What was he doing there? This great apostle, this guy who could, could see all miracles and healings and salvation, yet got him close to him in prison for many years in different situations. He uh, received 39 lashes five times. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was pelted with stones and left for dead. He was shipwrecked three times. And the list goes on and on and on. All for the sake of being a Christian. He was a gunman who came from a very privileged background, had expectations of a pretty smooth life. But he went when he met with Jesus. It all changed. So that's the Apostle Paul. That's Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sophonides. Paul had a strong sense of calling by God. He had a strong sense that he was called to serve Jesus Christ. He... Um, in several of his letters, marks out that he's an apostle, and that's sometimes just to say, look, God has called me as an apostle, as a, as a role in the church, and it gives me an authority to speak the truth and to bring, bring the sort of plumb line of God's truth to the church. It's also a mark of founding churches, and Corinthians was one of the churches that he founded. Our brother Sosthenes. Um, who was possibly the synagogue leader in Corinth when Paul first went there, and he seems to have become a Christian. To the church of God in Corinth. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, Together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Paul has an amazingly high view of the church. And for him, the church was a new community in the earth. Paul was part of the people of Israel. They had a land, they had um, uh, an identity as the people of Israel. They, they still do have that identity. And when Paul became a Christian, he discovered he had a new identity as well, a new family, a new community. It was the people of God. And when he talks of the, in Corinth, he says, you people of God in Corinth, you new community, demonstrating the new um, dispensation of God. The new way of righteousness, the new way of living together. He has a very high view of the church and he sees it as being together. We have to regather and rekindle that sense of being together as God's people. There is a danger that we move back a little bit into um, in more individualism in the church. 
And I believe with all my heart that what God wants is his body demonstrating his life in the earth. Now, Adrian and I have a particular, particular role in the church. God has appointed us as elders, and we have a certain responsibility in bringing correct teaching and making sure, sure that teaching in the church is correct. We have a certain responsibility in making sure people are cared for um, and that people um, are being nurtured in their faith. We have a certain responsibility in making sure that as a church we do need to lose some of our prickles so that people can join in. We have a certain responsibility um, <coughs> in bringing the direction and vision of the church. But it is not our church. It is firstly Jesus' church and it's secondly our church. And what we need to be asking is what can we do to both build the church here in Open Door and reach the world in, what we, in, in which we live? So you can't leave it to one or two individuals because God has gifted the church as a body to serve the world in which they live. We must be asking what can we do we must be stirring up initiative within us. If you leave what Open Door can do to me, you're in trouble. I can help us, I can encourage us, I can make sure that we have a sense of direction and that we are growing together. But I'm not the most imaginative of people. And we need growing up from within us ideas and initiatives that we can do together. Very, very quickly, to the Church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Jesus. This is what each one of us has been. And sanctified means, very simply, we were here, but we've been separated to be over here. We were over here, in a kingdom that was ruled by God's adversary. And God has taken us and placed us in a kingdom that is ruled by Jesus. We were over here in a kingdom that was facing judgment and disaster, and we've been placed over here in a kingdom that is full of glory and blessing and eternal future. We were over here facing the judgment of God, and we've been picked up and put over here, and we are now facing the blessing of God. The forgiveness of God, the healing of God, the cleansing of God. We have been transferred from death here to life here. This is what it means when it says sanctify. We've been taken out of this and put into this. And we are new creations and new people. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. There was nothing we could do. And for some of us, we were incredibly surprised when God spoke to us and took us from here to here. Some of us were here thinking, how can I get out of this? What can I do? I feel so awful. And God steps in and he moves us. Others of us were just walking along and suddenly God came to us and said, oh, I'm moving over here. And we've been changed forever in our eternity. So the church of God in Corinth, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be God's holy people together with all those everywhere, 
who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I like to think of Paul there sitting. <coughs> he says, oh, I've written to the church in Corinth, sanctified in Christ Jesus. And I like to think that he thought, there's a guy called Dave Nunn, he's going to be a sanctified in the years ahead. How do I include him in this? Ah, oh, I could put together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul wrote this. He wrote to the church in Corinth and he wrote to you and I. We are the new community of God. We've been taken from here and placed over here. And now we are here to serve God, to serve Jesus, to see the kingdom of God being built and to demonstrate to the world there's a Father in heaven who loves them. And we do that together. Amen.